Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. And today's guest, I'm very, very excited to introduce to you is Michelle Osborne of Michelle Osborne and Co. She's a communication specialist, multidisciplined educator, change agent. That's the stuff I love to live for and a content creator. And here's the things that really spoke to me about you. You're not your average CEO. You're obsessed with TikTok. I am too. It's a rabbit hole that I go down on the regular, on the regular, like wasting days in TikTok land. I have piercings. I like to wear revealing clothing. I openly express my sexuality proudly. I say what I want unapologetically. And my life's work is about helping others find the confidence to do the same from the corporate reboot to the self-employed brand builder. I understand that being put into a box can be stifling women of color, fat bodies, queer identified folks, and those who have a message that goes against the grain. I am so here for all of this. I'm here to help you find your voice and build your dreams all while having the audacity to be your authentic self. Hey, 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 can I get a circle clap for you? That's me. That's so impressive when you read it. Oh my, it is impressive. I will walk around behind you with a megaphone and I will introduce you that way every time. We need you in the world. We need you in the world. We need you in the world. I wish when I was coming up 20 years ago that I had somebody like you to look up to. Do you know what I mean? Or to be um, in relationship with. I often say when I was a kid, I'm in my 50s. When I was a kid, I often say if I had somebody like Michelle Obama to look up to, something that I could see Mm -hmm. in a positive light. Because I grew up with uh, good times. I grew up with different folks, uh, different strokes. Um, The Cosby Show did come into my reality probably when I was a little bit older. And I did want to be Denise Huxtable. Um, Family Matters, all that kind of, you know, that good 90s black TV did come around. But in my formative years, when I was creating my identity and figuring out who I wanted to be, I was still watching uh, TV shows that weren't weren't expressing the entire multidimensional faceted and multidimensional aspects of blackness, black people, black culture, mm-hmm. black families. So it's nice to see multidimensional folks like yourself stepping to the forefront, taking up space, talking to folks and saying it's okay to be authentically you. Everybody needs a coach like you, Michelle. Everybody. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you. And I agree with you. I, you know, there's so many women out there now who are being unapologetically themselves and expressing themselves openly. We never had this when we were kids. You know, I'm nope. turning 48 this year and I don't remember, nope. and I, maybe it's because the internet is exploding and we have all of these different apps that we're using to, to be able to showcase mm-hmm. who we are, but yep. I don't remember ever having this type of platform where I can see somebody and say, oh, wow. So yeah. I'm appreciative of what's, what we have now for sure. And, and I make sure my daughter understands it as well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I just I'm grateful in so many ways for the Internet in that we get to see a multitude of folks, identities, people. Mm-hmm. Everything is really, I like to say, mainstreamed out there. If you're looking for it, you can find it kind of thing. Whereas when we were growing up, there was no Internet. Um, the kids who were different were the kids who were picked on. And now it seems to me mm. to be a little bit more of different is good, that we don't want to be the status yes. quo. And when I'm looking even at fashion, street fashion in the world, 
anything goes. Like when I was growing up, there was yes. always like a, a trend that everybody was on and everybody was kind of doing the same thing. We still have that to a certain degree, but I find that people are really just flying their own flag. Like they're really doing their own thing and I'm here for it. It's about time. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think it's what you said. I think difference is what makes people, um, I don't know what's the word, popular or that's the, the thing now. Nobody wants to look like everybody else anymore. And I really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. I really love this new generation coming up because they have such a different lease on life and such a different look on life. It was funny. My son came home from school the other day and said, I'm going thrifting with my friends. I was like, what? Like I've been thrifting. What? My, yeah. What? <laughs> and he's 15. So he's getting on the bus and they were going to the Goodwill. And, and I was like, wow, like that was not stuff I did as a kid. We were really caught up in name yep. brand nonsense and looking a certain way, but kids are really forging their own path and that's the future. Yeah. And I think more than anything now, people want to feel connected. Yeah. And I think people want to feel like they can relate. Yes. But everybody is so different in themselves right now that they were cheering everybody on about being themselves. Whereas before nobody was cheering you on about being yourself. No. You had to be a part of the pack. You you know, we I remember my whole crew, we had to have the same running shoes because right. those were the running shoes that we're True. in right now. So I, I totally appreciate this generation now. I see my niece who is who's 16 years old and shaved her hair off or is before, you know, you would never shave their hair off. Are you crazy? Right. Yeah. And so I love that they love to be themselves now. Whereas before you were the outcast. Right. If you were yourself. So how do you mm -hmm. feel like uh, being allowed and given the space and the power to be yourself defines your well-being? Like, how do you feel that intersects with well-being? Well, I think that, and I say this all the time, I think that um, loving yourself is sanity. 100%. And sanity is part of your well-being. I think that when you say, you can look in the mirror and you say, I look good, I feel good, and you walk around being this confident, happy person, a lot of people take it as conceited. Mm. Whereas I think in this world today, in a world that doesn't want you to be yourself, mm -hmm. in a world that wants you to follow the rules in a, in a patriarchal society that says that you should look a certain way, I think that the key well-being of yourself is knowing who you are, mm -hmm. being confident in you are, standing in your power, and knowing that vanity is not necessarily about being thing. insane. It's yes. about loving yourself. Yes. There's so much that I've gone through in my life where people have told me that I'm not beautiful and that my sisters, you know, they always look better than me. And I think it takes a lot of courage and power to be okay with just who you are. Agreed. And I think that is a big part of well-being. Agreed. And now that we're giving space for folks to be exactly who they are, I'm hoping that we're going to turn yeah. a corner around well-being and finding well-being. So I called this the Intentional Well-Being Podcast for a reason, because I kind of feel like the wellness industry has been very co-opted. And for a long time, we've been centering and focusing a lot of energy around white women wellness with people who are not from that um, demographic, not having access to wellness. 
wellness being in the in the world that I see all the goop stuff that we see from Gwyneth Paltrow, getting your nails done, going for facials, doing all the kind of stuff. I'm not saying that's not wellness, but it's not the only part of wellness. And so I've switched my focus from wellness, which I think is a very commodified and co-opted um, word to well-being. So what does well, how does well-being differ from wellness to you? Mm, how does well-being differ from wellness? Um, you know, sometimes I feel like wellness has been so uh, commercialized and well-being is about standing out and making sure that you take care of yourself regardless of what anybody thinks. Um, you know, and I think it's just kind of like, you know, the body positive movement where mm -hmm. um, everybody wants to be a part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and But nobody wants to go through the struggle of what the real body positive movement was supposed to be about. Nobody, you know, if you were a thin white woman who wants to be a part of the movement, but you don't go through the struggles that a fat black woman would it's go true. through as part of the movement. They don't want to deal with that. I think that's the same thing between being well-being and wellness. I think it has been commercialized quite a bit, wellness. And I think well-being is just really taking care of yourself regardless of what is being thrown at you, using the tools or resources or support regardless of what anybody thinks about it. You know, for example, you know, maybe smoking marijuana may be taboo for some people. No, but maybe that's part of someone's well-being. Exactly. To stay sane, to yeah. stay focused. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I don't judge anybody on what they use to keep themselves, themselves, um, um, together you know loving themselves yeah. and well-being because i tell you what we've gone through in the last couple of years oh. if you are not doing something or taking something to keep going i don't, I don't know. know how you're doing so it. i don't judge i think i think we are all doing the best that we can to be honest with you a hundred percent i also like to to clarify to folks that well-being is something small that you can do for yourself at any time whether yes. that's taking, you know, sometimes I put my head down on my desk for five minutes and take a, like a little power nap at my desk. If I'm feeling tired, if I'm having, if I have enough time and it's a real big treat or a luxury to climb under my electric blanket, I'm here in Canada. It's cold. Uh, still, <laughs> still cold here. So am I. I'm here in Canada. Are you in Toronto? I was born and raised in Toronto. But I moved to Quebec City about seven years ago for love. I met someone on vacation and I moved here for love. Oh. But I was born and raised in Toronto. Oh my goodness. I heard the about and I'm like, she's Canadian, but where? And I just know that that's yeah. the highly populated part of Canada that has the most diversity. Yeah. I grew up in Burlington, yeah. born and raised in Burlington, got on oh the GO my. train, down to Toronto every weekend. Toronto's my favorite city, bar none. I've been oh, all over Me the too. world and I still come back to the diversity, the food, Carabana, yeah. like just, and the fact that my debit card works everywhere. Like when I go other places, I yeah. can't shop. Yeah. But when I go to Toronto, yeah. my stuff always, you know what I mean? I'm all the way out here in Southwestern Ontario. I tried to move to the Florida of Canada, out here in Windsor, Essex County, but we were just in Montreal last weekend and that was my... Uh, second trip to Montreal. So, oh, wow, well, good for you. Right beside me. Right? Like, I was right. I was in Montreal last weekend, too. Oh, God. We probably <laughs> passed each other and didn't even know it. I was in old Montreal. I was doing all the things, eating all the things, being all the things. 
embracing oh, well-being, beautiful. right? Getting away with yeah. my family. Um, my yeah. son goes to full French school, so I brought him with me to translate because he's fluent. And so it was just really fun to spend some time. And that's what I think about well-being. It's It doesn't have to cost a yes. cent. It doesn't have to take a whole day. Yes. It can be taking five deep breaths before you step into a meeting. It can be locating yourself in your body if it's rooting down through your feet. So I'm so excited to talk to a fellow Canadian sister. Honest to God. Do people always <laughs> think you're from the States too? People always think I'm from the States because I live out here in Windsor and we pick up that Midwestern A. Yeah, no, the everyone, anytime people on my social media platform find out that I'm Canadian, they are shocked. Yeah. They always think I'm American. Yep. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because they don't think they're black people in Canada. They're full of Americans, right? Yeah. And they're just like, oh, black person in Canada. Yeah. But lots they of are us. always shocked when <laughs> they find out I'm Canadian. Absolutely. 100%. Wow. Tell me how you got into the work that you were doing now. Like I said, my team loves you. Tiffany said to me, she wants to be you. I said it, Tiffany. I told her I was going to tell her. Uh, <laughs> she's listening to this podcast. But yeah, you are the you're the bomb. They have nothing but great things to say about you. And like oh, I said, I was scoping you. you out on the DL. So tell me, how did you get into this work? And what motivated you to step into the space and be so like unapologetic about it? Uh, well, I think, you know, my self-love journey really started right before I turned 40. That's when my marriage was ending and I was in a job that I hated and I felt like I cannot live the rest of my life miserable. Mm -hmm. And so when I turned 40, I just decided that I was not going to worry about whatever anybody else thought. I was just going to start living my life the way I wanted to, looking the way I wanted to, speaking my truth the way I wanted to. And in particular, this platform really started when lockdown started, when the pandemic started, when TikTok started to take off and nobody had nothing to do except TikTok. Right. And, um, and the George Floyd incident happened, mm -hmm. which affected me deeply, like beyond. Mm -hmm. I, I went through a little a short moment of depression when that happened. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stop being silent and I'm going to start speaking my truth and stop being afraid of saying what I really want to say, because I think words are too important um, to be unspoken. If you have something to say, I think you need to say it. And so I just started a having fun, mm -hmm. dancing and doing things that I liked, not worrying about what people thought about it and B speaking about things that were, you know, really important to me and that I had opinions about. Whereas before I didn't want to say too much for fear that someone wouldn't like me, for fear yeah. that someone wouldn't judge me. Yeah. And then I got to a point where it's like, if you don't like me, I can't help you. Yeah, if you're going to judge cares. me, I can't help you. Yeah. And I have to say this. So it's been, I think about a couple of years, two mm -hmm. and a half years since this whole platform has started. And I did not realize that it was going to take off the way it did, which I think many people didn't think, you know, I think TikTok has changed many people's lives yes. in the last couple of years yes. where they've been able to actually be themselves. Yes. You can really be yourself on TikTok. In you fact, can. it's a place to be yourself and you don't have to have fancy pictures or wear makeup. You can just talk. Show up. And so I think this whole journey for two and a half years has probably been the best journey of my life. Mm. Um, and it's, and I know it's my purpose and I know it's my passion. And so I, 
have so many ideas with what I want to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's just not enough time in the day, as I'm sure you know, as a business owner, yeah. if you wish you had more time in the day, but you then you have family and you want to have a life too. So um, it's been a really powerful, impactful journey, I have to say. That's amazing. So how did you come up with this particular idea? So with your coaching, you do people come to you? Do you go like, how does this work? So um, I'm a communications professional by trade, and it took me many, many years uh, to be able to be in this spot because I worked in corporate for presidents and, and for some high-profile people for many, many years mm -hmm. back in the past, and I hated it. Mm -hmm. You know, I got paid a lot of money, but I hated it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started working for Sirius Satellite Radio, oh. they asked me to join their marketing team when they when they opened in Canada. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yes, sure, I will yeah. join your marketing team, where I realized how much I loved marketing and communications. Uh, but it was interesting because everybody liked me doing what I was doing, which is which was executive administration and a lot of office management. You're so good at that why would you want to do communications, Michelle? I'm like, because it's my passion. And so I started learning a lot about it. And then as the years went by, um, I moved to Quebec City when I was turning 40. I met someone on vacation I mentioned to you earlier. And Quebec City, you have to speak French. I yes. think most people know this. It's not like Montreal. No. And um, I had to go back to school and learn French. I literally had to restart my life. I sold everything. I went back to school to learn French. I started a new career. I taught literacy for several years while I was here. And I decided that I, this was my chance to build my own business because nobody else was going to do it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like an anomaly here. There is no black queer people here at all. I'm, the, I'm one of the only ones, Anglophone one. And so I decided I was going to take this opportunity to restart my career and do exactly what I wanted to do. So uh, in my communications business, I said, I'm going to focus on women and non-binary persons from marginalized communities who want to augment their voice, but be authentically themselves. Because a lot of the times, you know, there's a lot of marketing agencies out there. There's a lot of communications yeah. agencies that people can go to, but I focus on people who want, who want someone who gets them. Yeah. You know, you can go to a white male who owns a communications agency and he's probably really great at it but he will not get you. Mm -hmm. He will not get what it's like to live in a fat body. He mm -hmm. will not get what it's like to be a black woman. He will not get that, uh, what it's like to be a queer person. And so funny enough, I had people say, you know, that's really niching down, Michelle. Are you sure you want to do that? You're not going to make my name money. Actually, I make a lot more money niching down because Michelle gets me. Right. And so what yep. I do with my clients is they say, Michelle, I have this small business. I don't know what to do. And a lot of people don't know about communications or marketing when they start their small business. They just have a great product or service that they think is great and yeah. they do the best they can with it. And so yeah. I sit down with them and I go from A to B, you know, what is your mission? What is your vision? What are your values? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, who is your client? A lot of people don't even know who their client is. And when I go through this with people, they have no idea about any of these things because they just start from, oh, I have a great idea. And then I build a website. Your website should be the final thing on your list to be doing. You need to do step two, three, and four. And so I coach them through that process so that when they get to the time of, okay, I'm ready to build a logo. I'm ready to build a brand. I help them with those pieces. They can either hire me to do it for me 
or I coach them through the process to do it for themselves. It depends on what their budget is, mm-hmm. depends on what their, their abilities are. And then, you know, a big part of what people don't realize is confidence coaching as a part of this process, because when you are a small business owner, it takes a lot of guts and a lot of confidence to be able to say, okay, I'm going to let go of this secure job that I had with a pension fund and all these things mm-hmm. and really believe in myself. I had to go through the same thing with my business when I literally let go of my full-time job and started making sure that I was only going to do this full-time. I have a child. I was like, can I really do this? But every day something was telling me it is time. Mm. It is time. And I think that whatever you do, you should do it scared. I was just going to say, how do you come to that space without being terrified? Because I know when I, I had a big corporate job, I worked as a, an auditor for the government. I had a great ass pension. I had five weeks vacation. Mm-hmm. I got paid really well. And I was exactly like you. If I, I was sitting at my desk one day and I was like, if I died today, right? If I left this place and on the way home, I met with my fate, I would die miserable. Like I would get to my job and count down to my days off every Monday. Be like, okay, just got to get it through the next five days or whatever it was. And if I died today, I would be like miserable. So I would rather not have all these other things, but to actually be happy. And I think one thing that the pandemic has done with like this mass resignation and people now asking for what they're worth at their jobs, instead of being told you're lucky to have this job where we beat you into the ground and we make you beg for vacation time off. And if you can't get to see your kid at school, or if you need to take a day off, we make you feel bad about it to people going like, I'm a person of value and you need me to run your business. So you are lucky to have me, not the other way around and you need to pay me more. But how do you get people to get over that fear to take it seriously and do it full time? Because that's what I heard when you were speaking that when you left that job, you're like, okay, I'm doing this full time. There was never that panic like, what about the mortgage? What about my car payment? What about, what about, what about? How do you get over that hurdle? Oh, okay. No, well, no, because I did have those moments and it took me, it took me a few years to be here right. to say, um, okay, now I'm going to do it. Um, how do you get over it? I think one of the things is you don't have a plan B. <laughs> when you don't have a plan B, you have to you succeed. Put all you have to succeed. A. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that some things don't work out. And that right. doesn't mean that some things don't fail. Right. I think also I tell my clients, you have to not be afraid to fail. Right. Because I think we always think that we're going to be successful. And if we're not successful at every single part of our business, then, oh my God, we're we should have done it. Yeah. No, you yeah. More, you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. I mm. tell people that at all. Mm-hmm. I also tell people that, you know, one of the things I think that has really helped me is, especially seeing over this pandemic, the world is virtual. Yeah, thank so God. So I can literally work anywhere now. There's so many different side hustles, and I always encourage people, have more than one revenue stream. Yeah. For example, my business is communications. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I can't have a, a business in selling T-shirts or a business creating e-books because that will all kind of tie into my business. Mm-hmm. I always say them, once you start to get comfortable, make sure you have at least three or four other revenue streams. So if this one revenue stream is not bringing in the money, 
you still have those other three or four that we're going to bring in the money. And, you know, when I was younger, I thought being an entrepreneur was like, you just do one, one thing, thing and you're good at that one thing. When yeah. I think of entrepreneurship now, I think of making sure that you're covered in all areas. So having different revenue streams is really important. Knowing that the world is virtual, that, you know what, if you fall on hard times, you can pick up something online. Like yeah. there's so many different ways where I think that if you fall behind, you can pick yourself up. And I think one of the biggest things I always tell people is you're never going to feel ready. This is true. Whether it's today or next month or next week it's or next true. year, you're always going to be scared about it and feel like maybe or maybe not. Because you know, one of the things that we always do, mm. we always think, but what if it doesn't work? We never think about what I if it does. I tell people to say, what if it does? Yeah, that's true. You know how many people said to me, Michelle, you're going to move to Quebec. What if it, the relationship doesn't work? What if, then I'll go back to Toronto and I'll, or I'll figure out something to do. But I went in with the mindset of what if it did work? And so guess what? Then I have now my own business. I have a daughter. I got to travel. I had this amazing relationship with this person that I'm no longer with, but still right. was able to have this amazing life. If I didn't make this change to Quebec, I would still be in Toronto, mm -hmm. which I love, mm -hmm. but I'd still be in Toronto in a job that I hated. Mm -hmm. Nothing would have changed in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think you always have to think about what if it goes right mm -hmm. instead of what if it goes wrong. I kind of feel like we have only ever seen the model. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be 52 in a couple of weeks and that we've only seen the model of our, perhaps our parents working one job their entire life and kind of slugging it out till the end, looking on the horizon, horizon for retirement and just trying to stay in that job, dot all their I's, cross all their T's and get to that point where they can retire. And I think the days, I know the days of folks having jobs for 30 and 40 years, maybe with the exception of being a teacher or something like that, are over. So now would be the time, right? Like now would be the time to step into it, and especially since we've had this, I call it this global reflection because we were all at home. We were all sheltered in place. Nothing was working except those very essential, um, essential workers. You had some time to think about what it is you wanted out of life, right? You had some time to actually see the world as it really was, as opposed to constantly running in the ham hamster wheel of going to work and coming home and going to work and coming home, right? And so I think this is a really great way to become empowered into making a change kind of you're seeing everything going on in the world and now is the time to be like is this the job that i want to be at for the rest of my life and again you can always come back to it if it doesn't work out but go into it yes. with the idea of it might actually or it will actually work and when mm -hmm. i um decided to make my job full-time um I, I just had a baby and Alan and I, my husband, went and saw The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith and Jaden Smith. And if that didn't make me think really hard and long, I always have that um, verse in my head from the Eminem song, failure is not an MF option right? Like it's just, mm -hmm. and, and failure means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Like I've done lots of things that haven't worked out for me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What did I learn from that situation? Why didn't that mm -hmm. work out? And let me not do that again. Right? Like this is clearly not where my energy should be focusing, but what did work in that situation and how yes. do I expand on that? So you have come out of the box and you have given yourself the permission to live your life unapologetically. 
How did that come to fruition for you? When did you say to myself, okay, no shit's given, no fucks given. I'm doing this. Like what empowered you to do that? Um, I, I, I really think it progressively started happening when I turned 40. 40 is kind of the age it was for me anyway, where it was like either itch or get off the pot, right? Yeah. Either you're either going to do it or not, or you're not going to do it because you kind of see, you kind of feel like time is ticking at that moment. But I also feel like, you know, in your 20s and 30s, those are times of learning. Those are times of figuring yourself out. So, you know, I don't think anyone, especially in their 20s, has anything figured out. So when 20 years old, people tell me, you know, how come I don't have my life? You're not supposed to have your life together in your 20s. You're barely getting it together in your 30s. And then 40s, you get this awakening of start to do what you really want to do start to put it in motion. And I really started looking at life and I take it really seriously. And when I talk about it on my platform, I really live in the moment Uh, because I I see people dying around me. I see people getting sick easily. And I think to myself, they didn't know that was going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. And the biggest regret, they always say, I wish I did this. I wish I followed my passion. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more time. And so why am I going to wait until something happens to me to wish that I followed my passion Mm. to wish that. So I progressively started to do things when I turned, when I was 39, I developed this blog called 40 by 40. And I created a list of 40 things I had to do, or that I always wanted to do by the time I turned 40. And I had one year to do all of those 40 things. And those were not big things. It was stuff like, wear red lipstick because black women are always made fun of for having big bright lips so you know we dare don't wear bright colors right i had never worn a bright lip color on my lips one of it was you know taking the subway line in toronto all subway lines because usually you just kind of go where you're gonna go yeah i wanted to see what i got up on every subway stop in toronto to see what it looked like wow um that's impressive apologizing to someone that i always wanted to apologize Mm. to that i was always afraid about the reaction and resolving those relationships. So I had 40 things that I needed to accomplish by the time I turned 40. And I have to say, when people ask me how I've become so confident, tackling those fears on my 40 by 40 list is the biggest way I became confident in myself. Because every time I did something that I was fearful of, and I was like, that wasn't so bad, or why did I wait so long to do this? It made me feel the courage to take the next step and the next step. And I felt like a scared superhero by the time I finished my 40 by 40 list. And I encourage everyone to create a list 30 by 30, 31 by 31. It doesn't matter what age you are, but it was a list of conquering those things that you've always wanted to try traveling by myself, oh, eating alone. Yeah. Do you know how many people I have met by traveling by myself and by eating by myself, people just curious about why I'm here by myself yes. and making these amazing friendships. Nice. So I really encourage people to try to do a list like that that will help them get to the next step in their life of facing their fears. What I hear you saying is feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I think. A lot of people, well, I think I, I always say, you know, do it and do it scared. And you know, 
isn't it funny when we do things and we, we procrastinate, procrastinate because, you know, we're just so stressed about it and then we do it and we're like, why, why was I so nervous about it? I know. How many times has that happened in your life? Yep. And I realize, you know, I'm not a religious person, but one of the things that has helped me in my journey is the universe, God would never give me anything I could never get through. Mm-hmm. Every time I face something different, mm-hmm. he would never give me anything I could never get through. Might mm-hmm. be a challenge. Mm-hmm. The outcome might not be exactly what you want it to be. Yes. But you're going to get through it anyway. I love That's that it. sentiment. I always say... Um, it always works out in the end. That was something my mother used to say. Yes. Uh, she still says it. My mom's still around. It always works out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. So my mom would say that yes. a lot. Oh, it, right. If it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. And I think to myself every single time, because I butt up against some struggles in my career as an entrepreneur. And I was just like, mm-hmm. but I just kept going forward. I really love the advice that you give for entrepreneurs not to have a singular focus. Like, I think it's good mm-hmm. to know what you want to do, but have that multiple things that build out your brand that you're not like for me, I'm not yes. just teaching yoga. I also do public speaking around diversity and equity. Yes. I also do stuff around um, body image. I also teach Pilates. I also, you know what I mean? Like yes. I've written a couple of books. I like, it's, you know, it's important to have a, like a fully embodied experience of what you love to do in all of its facets. And I think uh, some bad, some not so bad advice, but advice that didn't work for me when I was doing, you know, online courses around entrepreneurship or going to um, these incubator kind of meetings is like, they would be laser focused on what you want to do. And the thing with being laser focused for me Mm -hmm. is when other opportunities crept into my scope, I didn't do them because I'm laser focused over here, even though this other opportunity isn't exactly what I do. I have something to learn from it and maybe it will spark some kind of new passion. Yes. Yes. You know, that saying when um, you're the jack of all trades with the master of none, and that used to be a negative saying back in the day, but I think now it's the total opposite. I don't think there's anything wrong with dabbling in everything one two five different things that you're passionate about yeah this is what we're here for i think we're here to learn and embrace all of those different things that make us human and make us want to learn and make us want to grow you know and i think successful people are not afraid to fail and i think that's what makes them successful i think successful people do not focus on the problem they're always solution oriented agreed anytime i mess up on something Instead of saying, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And I beat myself. I'm like, okay, I did that. I'm going to own it. How do you fix it? Yeah. Let's stop talking about you being so sad about it. How do you fix it? And, and what did I learn? Know, I in no way have entrepreneurship figured out at no. all zero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah. I, I left my full-time job last year and... I still don't have it figured out. I still get overwhelmed. Sure. I still think to myself sometimes, am I going to get it right? I am not good at everything. Although when you're an entrepreneur and you first start out, you're everything in your business. And then you realize you have to outsource things because you can't do it all. Um, I don't have it figured out, especially at the beginning. I, I feel like I'm going through a rut right now in my business where I'm exhausted. So it's almost like I don't want to do anything. Yeah. 
like I, I and I have a daughter, so I want to spend time with her. And then yep. you're just like, and you go through times of you no, know, was this the right choice? But I know it was the right choice because every day I wake up excited yes. to start that day to yes. do that I want to do. Whereas before I used to go to work crying. Like, I hear that. And waiting for the weekend, right? I hear Friday that. And waiting for the weekend. That is no way to, to live. live. And I don't know if there's any right time for anyone to start a business or to go out on their own. I'm not sure there is a right time. Yeah. I think you just get to a point in your life where you can't do one more moment of walking into that office or that building and you think you're going to lose your mind. That's the point where I got to. I was like, there's not one more moment that I, I want to do. Be. But I also had signs everywhere from the universe. I can't even every day say, it's your time. Mm. It's your time. And I'm also a big manifester. Okay. A huge into manifesting into what I want in my life, making sure I go to bed saying, I already have this God. Right. I already have this collaboration. Yeah. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to call me. Right. I always say, I have more than enough money that I need. I attract. I do not chase. I have more than enough money that I need. It will be here when it and it has never failed me manifestation. I've always gotten what I've manifested and what I've wanted. It may not have shown up in the way I thought. Mm -hmm. It may not have shown up in the time frame that I wanted it to, but it has always shown up. And a large part about it is believing it. A lot of people are manifesting that. I think you need to really believe it. I think you need to say it. I think you need to say it every day. Yeah. But manifesting for me has made me, I think, succeed in all of the things that I've wanted to do. I think when sometimes when people hear manifest and sometimes they get that whole woo-woo language, here's what manifest actually means. Focusing on what it is that you mm-hmm. that you have, right, that you want and focusing on it as if you have it. Right. And that way I found that to be true with me when I was in my um, owning a yoga studio, a brick and mortar yoga studio. And when I was focusing most on the lack of money that I had, then I would lose money. Right. Money would be flying out of the door. I wouldn't have the membership base. Something would happen and I would be like, literally money would be flying out the door. When I stopped focusing on the lack of money, then it never was a problem again. And so it's just because you have shifted your energy to something else. And that was a big lesson for me to learn as an entrepreneur. Focus on the things you want to happen, not focusing on the things you don't want to happen. Because it seemed to me when I focused on the things I didn't want to happen, that's when they happened. So tell me, what can more people do to support this kind of thinking and work in marginalized identities and communities? Because I don't know what your background is. I'm West Indian. My folks are from Barbados. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain understanding, right? There's a certain cultural understanding. You're going to do what? You're quitting your job to do what? And having that pushback mm-hmm. from folks around you because they have a very traditional idea of what you should be doing in life. You know, uh... I was one of those children that uh, I was really independent from really early on. And I think my parents knew that they couldn't control me from a very early age. And I started working at the age of 13. I remember wow. my first job was Tim Morton. So I was wow. buying a lot of my own things very, very early. Yeah. And I really encourage people. I remind people that other people wouldn't change for you. Right. 
So why are you changing for them? Why are you living for them? Because they're going to go on and do whatever they want to do in their life. They would, If they want to wear a brown shirt, it doesn't matter what you tell them, they're going to wear the brown shirt. So why are you changing the color of your shirt when right. they tell you to change the color of your shirt? I think one of the things that people need to appreciate is that if you are taking care of yourself, you are not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. This world, like time is so fleeting. I know it's so corny to say, but I tell you, the last couple of years has reminded me that time is so fleeting. Watching my daughter grow up. Nothing like children to mark time. That let me tell time you. is fleeting. <laughs> yes. And I remind people, if the doctor came to you and said, you had one month to live tomorrow, what would you do? Well, I would start living my life. I would start, I wouldn't worry about how I look. I'm like, so why are you going to wait for that moment to happen? Why would you want to wait for that moment to happen? And so I also think that, you know, everybody needs to be ready on their own time. I feel like, you know, I think it took me at least a couple, you know, 15 years or more to have the courage to really step out and show people who I was. And sometimes for people, it takes a shorter amount of time. But I think um, the universe has a plan for us. I think you're right. When you put negative energy out, you're going to get negative energy in. Um, and that's for everything in life, whether it's professional or personal, but I really just encourage people to make sure they understand that what they're doing, if it's not hurting anybody, um, if it's truly what they want to do, Western people, I get it. They will always be like, why are you doing that? Why are you leaving that same job? I think it's changing though. Mm. I think it's changing with this generation, Mm -hmm. you know, because my dad is Jamaican my mom is a black Canadian, mm. but funny enough, my parents never made me feel like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. They were just like, as long as you're doing something, I want you to do what you nice. want to do. And this is what I tell yeah. my daughter. If you want to be a plumber, because a lot of pe- a black parents want their kids to do things because of ego. Right. They want to say, oh, my daughter does this for a living. Oh, right. my daughter's a doctor for a living yes. because it feeds their ego. Sure. I'm not worried about that with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I want my daughter to be happy. What do you want your daughter to be? Happy. Yeah. No, what do you want her to be in life? Whatever she chooses to be. If she wants to be a garbage person. I want you to be the best garbage man, garbage right. woman that there ever is. And I just, I, I feel like there's no one way to be successful. I think success is defined differently for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think there's just going to be one day where you just had enough about what anybody thinks and you just go for it. Go through it, through the fear. Because if you try to wait till you're not scared, you're never going to go. It's never going to happen. You just won't. You just won't. Agreed. How can we support our um, our marginalized, or I like I prefer to use the word historically excluded um, identities, people who are underrepresented. How do we support them to find their true calling? Well, how can we lift up our communities? Because I thought I feel like I feel twofold. Like in America, I don't know what the stats are in Canada, but the largest. Um, business or the biggest, I guess, group of uh, entrepreneurs are black women. Not surprising because you know, from one black woman to another, you know that when we see something is wrong, we just don't go, oh, who's going to do something about that? We go, we need to do something about that. And we collect, we, we collectively organize and we get something done. 
I know that from black culture, but I don't know how other um, perhaps historically excluded or marginalized identities or underserved identities, how can we support them? How can we support each other for people to step into the truth of their authentic selves? Well, I think one of the things is um, sharing, sharing people's vision, sharing yep. people's information. Yep. You know, I think a lot of people think that they have to have big budgets or, or they have to do grandiose things for them to be able to have a voice. And I think we've seen over the last couple of years is that just having the courage to speak your mind, sharing your platform, sharing it on different people's platforms, talking about it, donating if you can. Um, you know, sharing your resources and support systems, especially if you're an entrepreneur where you don't know anything at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, we're all afraid to share our resources. Why? Nobody can do me better than me. True. So I don't care if you know who my photographer is, my graphic designer is, I don't care. Right. And knowing that they have something that everybody wants to hear, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people are just like, oh, they don't want to hear me. Yes. We do want to hear you mm -hmm. because everybody has something valuable to give to the world. So I think that just being able to share and being supportive and unapologetic and telling people about it, I think those small things make a big, big difference, especially mm -hmm. when you're trying to create a platform, especially when you're in a marginalized body mm -hmm. In this, because you know, the internet is so big now, there's so many body positive, body mm -hmm. liberators, body this, body that. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get lost in it all. And one of the biggest things that I learned was to try not to fit in. Yeah. Because I felt like everybody was doing the same. And I'm like, yeah, I should do that. Or everybody else is doing it. And once I realized, no, I just got to do me because, yep. you know, People ask me about my fashion all the time and I'm like, but fashion is not my thing and I'm never going to be a fashion blogger, but I love to dance. I love to dance to my reggae. I love to do this. So why can't I dance to my reggae and talk about it at the same time? Absolutely. So I think the big thing is try not to fit in, be exactly who you are and just look at other ways for support that are, don't have to be monetary because there's so many different ways you can support someone. I agreed. And I always t like to tell people, it doesn't matter that your platform isn't huge, like your social media platform isn't huge, share and share and share and share and share. And that's something that I do with my own Absolutely. platform, because I don't think, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, I just don't think I'm that interesting. I think there's lots, I'm interested in lots of interesting people. I, I just don't think you need to see pictures of me constantly I don't know, walk, ride my bike, or I don't know, making dinner. There's only so much of that you can watch, right? And this is my real life, right? What am I going to do? Set up a camera here and watch you watch me, you know, pay bills? Like what? Well, this is it. Like this is not that interesting, okay? I'm bored by it. So, but I'm really enthralled by what other people are doing. And if I see a funny video or somebody with a really wonderful message, I think you should follow them too because they lifted me up because I had a moment because I want to support somebody who looks like me. Me or who doesn't look like me that has something positive to say. And I, I tell people that's how you build your platform. I tell people that's how you build community. Yeah. And I think also I remind people that I didn't start out with, you know, I have a lot of people who think that my amount of followers is huge. And for me, I'm just like, 
in the world of Instagram, not it's so not much. so huge. Yeah. But we all started at zero. Totally. Like last year at this time, I I had just over a thousand followers. Yeah, yeah. And when I decided that I was not going to give up on this passion of mine and that I was consistent, because I would tell you, consistency wins every, every time. time. Every time. I might not be the best at what I do. I see other influencers who are doing some great stuff. Oh, like, yeah. How do they film stuff really this, well? Totally. And edit it and, and have ideas. I'm not that person. Yeah. I'm not that person. I'm just like, you guys do editing. Yes. I'm not that person. I'm not that person. But, you know, what I realized is you are consistent. Yeah. It will win yeah. every time. Yeah. Be consistent. Be passionate. Yeah. Speak your truth. And you will win every time. Every single time. So as we come up on the hour and we wrap, I want to ask you, what do you do for your own personal well-being and self-care? Like, what are some things that you do and some tips that you might have for our listeners around self-care and personal well-being? Oh, what's some things that I do? Um, I unplug from the web, turn That's off my important. phone, because especially yep. as a content creator, and you know this, you are on it. Constantly, too much. <laughs> like too it much. never shuts down. Yeah. And so I really tried to, especially owning my own business, really shut that off for a specific amount of time in my day, mm -hmm. and have joyful moments with my daughter, playing dolls oh. with her, or what have you. Yeah. Um, I also like to read a lot of um, uplifting books. Mm -hmm. I have read it in, in quite a little bit, but one of the greatest things, joys for me, is just books that make me feel good mm. that uplift me and mm -hmm. it doesn't need to necessarily be a specific book about feminism or anything like that but reading has been a great thing i used to also be a fitness instructor so one of the, the most favorite things that i like to do is i'll take out my step and i'll put on some reggae or soca and i will just do my own thing and have so much fun for 30 it. minutes 45 minutes i love of just it jamming yeah and to, it is so cathartic for me. Mm. And and lastly, um, going for a walk and just listening to pleasant music mm -hmm. is also really something that I do on a regular basis because um, I I have an interesting relationship with the fitness industry. So I, I don't talk about fitness often. Yes. But I think moving my body is really important for yep. my mind and my body. Yep. So I move my body regularly whether it's dancing for an hour, whether it's going for a walk, I do different things. Um, and so those are kind of some of the things. And then spending, making sure I spend more time with loved ones because yeah. I tell you, um, this entrepreneurship, they people think that, oh my God, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'll have more time. I don't know. But no, you will not have more time. You will have less time. You'll yeah. love what you're doing during that time. Yeah. Uh, so I really try to take those moments to spend with people that I love and enjoy just moments without being plugged to my phone. I think that's so great is to unplug. It's so hard. I uh, forgot my, um, my phone at the gym and first there's that initial panic, like, where's my phone? And then, um, I took out my iPad cause you know, I've got 17 other devices that are also hooked up to my phone and I'm like, where's my phone? Oh, it's at the gym. So I haven't been on my phone all day and I'm a, I create a lot of content. I like posting sometimes 10 things per hour just because I'm like, you know, 
you know, resting on the couch or I'm bored or, you know, there's a lot of great stuff on the interwebs that I want to share. And it's been so now that I know where it is and it's safe and somebody has it for me, it's such a relief not to be looking at it. It's such a relief to be fully yeah. present in every moment and not looking at my phone. That has been huge yeah. for me as well as com like completely unplugging, powering the whole thing down and putting it in a drawer because you can be connected at every moment. And like you said, as an entrepreneur, people think they're going to have more time. A joke that I say with my partner all the time is you can work. Um, you get to choose the 80 hours a week that you want to work. Like you're not on somebody else's yeah. schedule, you're on your own schedule. And so there has to be some times where I say to my partner, because we're in this business together, I have to say to him, I'm not talking about work tonight because we will inevitably default to this marketing needs yes. to go out. This person needs to be contacted. Yes. This person needs to be paid. We have to hire a graphic designer for this. When was the last time you talked to that person? We can default to that pretty quickly. It was kind of like when we first had children, we'd go out on date night and I'd say, we're not going to talk about the kids. And yeah. inevitably, <laughs> we're going to talk about the kids because we were in that up to our elbows the whole time. And every, you know, once a month or once every couple of weeks, we'd get a little reprieve from that. And I'd be like, here we are at dinner talking about the kids, you know? <laughs> so I think it's a, I think that's great advice to detach from that. I have thoroughly enjoyed meeting you and chatting with you and having this experience. I'm so grateful you're out here doing this work. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. I'd love oh, to see you bold, beautiful people out there living their dream and doing the work and living authentically because it really lets us see what we can be, right? I think it's the ultimate compliment when somebody says, well, if she can do it, I can do it. I think that's the, absolutely, absolutely. Consistency, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Consistency, passion, learning from your mistakes, putting in the time, taking self-care, remembering that, you know, you can pivot at any point. Like if something's not working, you can yes. pivot. Yeah, right? absolutely. I think people get stuck in thinking, well, I made it this way. I said it was going this way. No, if it's not working, change it. Pivot. Yeah, and that's okay. Change it. Change it. <laughs> so Michelle, where can we find you? How can we be in contact with you? How do we get to be in your sphere to work with you? Oh, well, I'm on Instagram at uncomfortable underscore bliss. I'm also on TikTok as this bliss. And I have my own website, michelleosborne.com. You can reach me and see me on all of those platforms. And I would be happy to interact with you. I'm not one of those people. I, I do my best to answer everybody. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get so many requests that yeah. I can't answer everybody. Fair enough. But I am not Beyonce. So do not feel free to to send me a note yeah. and I will chat with you because I do often. So nice. I'd love for you guys to vote. Awesome. I love people who interact with their, with their fans or their people or their followers. I think it's important to cultivate community to interact. Yes. Like I said, I'm yeah. not Beyonce. I'm not Michelle Obama. I'll get back to you. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, I'll get back to you. <laughs> I want to be in community with you. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the Intentional Wellbeing Thank Podcast. You. I'm going to remain in your vibe and your energy. The one thing I love about doing these podcasts is I meet the most kick-ass people. And you, my yeah. friend, are epic. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure, really. Thank you so much. 
Hello everyone. I just want to thank you so very much for being part of my podcast community here and listening to the people I love to talk to and being part of the world that celebrates diversity, equity, and inclusion here on the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast, where we're going to dive into some deep topics. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go over to Apple Podcasts and rate it, give it a thumbs up, like it, share it, comment. It really helps this podcast out. And I want to platform folks who don't ordinarily get platformed and share the stories of so many of us in the world of wellness and well-being. I want to thank you so much. You can find this podcast anywhere where podcasts are broadcast. And you can always contact me through my Instagram pages at Diane Bondi Yoga Official, or you can shout out to me at Diane at DianeBondiYoga.com. Thanks so much for being part of my community and I'll catch you next time.